welcome to episode 386 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and, uh, you know, I've been doing this podcast for several years, and every couple years I, uh, I self-indulge a little bit and talk about one of my favorite series, Dragon Quest, but it's been so long that I, I felt the itch again. I needed to talk about Dragon Quest on the podcast again, so I brought, um, three big fans of the series and we're going to talk a little bit about our pasts with dragon quest and the future of the series so who's jo- who is that panel joining me today it is wes island hey everybody and ben love hi everyone and uh our special guest joining us from rpgamer.com and the slime time podcast matt mason hey there everyone so wes ben matt um, we all love Dragon Quest. I want to talk about Dragon Quest. Uh, let's get to it. But first, I mean, uh, listeners, maybe uh, may- maybe you're a Slime Time listener or a fan of RPG game. I'm sorry, a fan of RP gamers content. But uh, Matt is not a uh, RPG fan regular. But uh, Matt, you and I have um, been following each other on social media for a couple of years. You were uh-huh. uh, great. You were gracious enough to host me on your podcast uh, once a few years ago. I was going to say, it's probably right about two years ago. I think we did this September a couple years back. You and Alana were great. Yeah, no, it was it was super fun to record. And I, I did want to um, uh, uh, pay you back uh, eventually. And um, and we've been talking about recording this episode for uh, maybe a little bit less than a year, like early 2023. We started talking mm-hmm. about it. And our ideas for the episode changed shape over the months. <laughs> but now, uh, now I, I think we have a few things we're excited to talk about. But... Um, before we go on to the capital C content, uh, let's just talk about our backgrounds to Dragon Quest a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior they, they were not my first RPGs. I was already into Final Fantasy when I started seeking out RPGs for my NES. Because um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I had an NES during the Super Nintendo days and a, and a uh, Super Nintendo during the PlayStation N64 days. But um, I did rent the first four Dragon Warrior games. I thought they were cool but weird and i didn't really finish uh come close to finishing any of them but then when i was emulating every game under the sun uh in the early 2000s i discovered dragon quest 5 and 6 and finally got to play uh uh um dragon warrior 4 to completion and then uh i eventually played dragon quest 1 through 3 on the on the game boy color and uh get, played all of the ds and 3ds remakes of dragon quest games as they came out and, uh, and but really, I started becoming a fan with, of Dragon Quest with those early emulation days in the 2000s. And then Dragon Quest eight came out and uh, and the DS remake came out. And that's sort of what made me obsessive was uh, around 20 years ago, getting into the series in a big way. But uh, I'd love to hear your stories um, before we move on. Uh, Wes, uh, how did you get into Dragon Quest and uh, and what what's your you know, your temperature on the series right now? Well, uh, Dragon Warrior, as it was, you know, back then, is what taught me how to read. Uh, my mom was a big fan of the game and would play it, and I'd ask her to beat it over and over again, and I'd see all this text popping up, wouldn't understand fully what was going on, so I started asking questions and figuring things out, and that was actually the motivation to get me reading, was uh, seeing Dragon Warrior up there, and I've been a fan ever since. It's what got me into RPGs, what got me into video games. Um, Dragon Quest Four remains one of my favorite games of all time, and you know, I'm pretty optimistic about the future because, I mean, I, I feel like Dragon Quest rarely misses, um, at least if we're going outside of spinoff territory. Everything that I've seen coming up, we're, we're seeing a revival of the Monster series, we're seeing a new mainline that might be doing some new stuff, we're seeing 
remakes, remasters, all these things we'll be talking about. Um, yeah, it, it's not a, there's not a more exciting time unless maybe you're counting the revival back when Dragon Quest VIII came out. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, it, it really did seem like Dragon Quest was a non, it was like barely had a presence at all in the West around around the Dragon Warrior Seven uh, PS uh, PS1 era. But then, mm-hmm. but then with Dragon Quest VIII being the first uh, European release of the series and it, it being a, a hugely popular and just the PS2 and DS being wildly popular machines in general and having games on both of the, on, uh, on those systems uh, helped the series quite a bit. I, I think I'm not alone that, um, there was a lot of uh, there was a large spike in popularity of the series around that time. But uh, uh, Ben, around, around when did you get into Dragon Quest slash Dragon Warrior? Yeah, so my first uh, Dragon Quest game was actually Dragon Quest Monsters 2 on the Game Boy Color um, because Pokemon Yellow uh, was my first game I ever played as a kid. Um, and so then after that, I guess I was just looking for anything Pokemon related or similar at all and one day my mom came home with a copy of uh dragon quest monsters 2 and i was like wow this isn't pokemon this is really weird (laughs) what is up with all these like weird looking monsters and stuff um but uh i like that game a lot and then i really wouldn't return to dragon quest probably until the ds era um where i picked up um you know the remakes of four five and six and played nine and then that got me to go back and um, play the rest of the games in the series and since then i've been a, a huge fan but uh yeah the spinoffs is actually what what got me into it interesting and and um uh rest assured those spin-ups spin, excuse me rest assured those spin-offs will come up soon but uh matt same question to you around when did you get into dragon quest and uh how did your fandom develop over the years well when nintendo made way too many copies of the original dragon warrior and had to resort to sending them out to people getting the Nintendo Power subscriptions uh, back in the 80, late 80s. Um, I told my grandmother, I was like, hey, you know, you're always asking what you want, want, what I want for Christmas. I would love this Nintendo Power magazine, and I get a free video game with it if you order it. And I remember somebody had brought me, like, the little slip that you could mail in to order it. So I remember giving it to her and then kind of forgetting about it. Then, um, like, lo and behold, four or five months later... Um, go over her house on Christmas, open it up, and she's got like a stack of four magazines and Dragon Warrior on there. I was like, oh my God, you got it. And like, you've been holding it all this time. Uh, So from that time, I was hooked. I got two and three and four, like the day they released in the United States. How I knew what day that was, God knows at that point. Um, (laughs) You know, I'd be in middle school at that time. I remember one of them, my mom actually let me take the day off of school and we were at Babbage's in the mall and I was asking some guy and he's like, oh yeah, I think we just got that today. And I was like, you better have. <laughs> so you were doing, I was... you did exactly what the Japanese national police uh, force feared <laughs> and, exactly. and, took, and, and took off school took and, and then, and disrupted workflow because of Dragon I, Quest. I sure did. I sure did. And then, like you said, there, there was that gap and it, you know, I didn't even know that Dragon Quest Seven came to the PlayStation One because I was a little bit like you. I got my uh, NES when I think my friend bought um, something else, and then when he got a Genesis, I got a Super Nintendo. So it was, you know, I, I, it was always a couple years behind. And then when I went to college in '92, nope, sorry, '96, I didn't even have a PlayStation. It was just I had my Super Nintendo with me for four years. So um, yeah, graduating college and 
realizing like, oh my gosh, there's another one. There's a PlayStation. I got to get this. I got to keep going. And then, yeah, the revival in with Dragon Quest VIII and everything we've had since then. Um, I was on Square Enix marketing site. They had something called Slime Nights back when uh, Dragon Quest VIII came out. And I want to say it was Joker or the first Joker or Rocket Slime. They switched the website to that to promote it for a long time. And then, yeah, I've been on the Dragon Quest forums for, for I want to say, about 20 years now. That was my first social media experience, <laughs> asking uh, people there. I remember my very first post like online was, what do I play after Dragon Quest VI? I've loved these. Now what? <laughs> and that just opened the floodgate to RPGs in general. So, Oh, boy. We could, probably do an, drug. we could probably do an entire episode just on... Um our formative experiences on video game forums uh, 20 plus years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine, mine was a final fantasy forum called caves of Narsh that I was, uh, I was on staff for, for a while. Uh, but uh, that place is a bit of a ghost town now, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That that's unlocking very specific memories for me. But, but anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of very specific memories, um, uh, th- we, we mentioned uh, the dragon quest, Uvra generally and uh, and also multiple remakes I, th- I think dragon quest was one of the first games uh to get sort of regular remakes dragon quest one and two and three had uh super famicom versions uh four and uh four had a, a playstation one re- um remake that was advertised in the booklet of dragon oh. warrior seven but then never came out <laughs> broke my heart yep. um but uh, and and then we uh, there's there's others of course, but we mentioned the um, four or five and six DS remakes. This is a series that is used to coming out on new platforms all the time, and uh, uh, and, and but also it was one of the, one of the first games. I mean, probably not earlier than Mario, but to, to have genre spinoffs. And um, Ben mentioned Dragon Quest Monsters, uh, and. Uh, and uh, I mean, we all know this, but maybe not everyone does that. Uh, Dragon Quest was the originator of the Mystery Dungeon series, which is, you know, has its lineage with uh, Chogobo Mystery Dungeon and then some other dungeon crawling games that came later, like Shiran the Wanderer. The first one of those was a Dragon Quest IV spir- spinoff starring Taloon slash Tornico, which uh, and, and I haven't really played any Mystery Dungeon, even though I did mess around with the, the Vita Shiran the Wanderer a little bit. But uh yeah, like like Dragon Quest is so popular in Japan that it has it, it's one of those series that just has more games and more influence and more reach than you think it does. And uh, it, it was super niche in the in the United States where all th- four of us live uh, for many, many years. But then it, it, it's been getting more and more popular with spikes when like Dragon Quest eight landed and then uh, and then the DS era and most recently with Dragon Quest eleven, which I I which which you know not everyone loves but i would say is generally very very well received and is again probably my favorite video game of the entire 2010s full stop <laughs> so uh but um all these spin up spin-offs and remakes um i mentioned monsters and mystery dungeon but uh uh starting with you wes what's one dragon quest game that's not immediately in the main series that you love and think we should uh draw some attention to today uh I'm anyone who's like a longtime listener might have caught on to the fact that I'm a big Warriors or Musou fan, whatever you want to call the series. And Dragon Quest got themselves in there with the Dragon Quest Heroes games. And I absolutely adore those games, especially the first one, which doesn't seem to be the conventional favorite. Um, but something about combining the monsters, those well-designed monsters that I think 
are the workhorse of the Dragon Quest series. Um, really the backbone of, of what makes Dragon Quest stand out and combine it with tower defense and warriors gameplay where you can, you know, show overwhelming force, but also kind of control the flow of battle. Um, it, it was absolutely a brilliant way to combine all the things I love about Dragon Quest in one place. Um, it's it's probably not most folks' favorite, but oh, I adore it. I, I did mess around a little bit with the first one. I, I own both of them, but because I have some, I don't know, fatigue with the Musou series, I uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't get really deep into any of them. Um, but I, I do have to admit, like the the King Slimes and the Gigantes in in those series are are uh, satisfyingly big and dumb looking. Yes. Um, and uh, and and just cutting through a horde of slimes, even though I didn't get even close to mid game or end game uh, is a pretty satisfying exercise. Is, do you have a favorite character to play in either of the heroes games? Terry is kind of broken in, <laughs> at least in the first game um, because he can divide and get, you know, three attacks for every, every swing of the sword and it ends up being completely ridiculous. But uh, ultimately I end up playing as Elena the most because Elena is my favorite dragon quest character. And if there's an option, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> And I mean, she's an option. Is she in both of them or just or just the second one? Oh, I'm struggling to remember. I, I don't think she was in the first one, but she might have okay. been. I think the second one brought back everyone from the first one. It did. Or, uh, uh, or at least all the cameos. Because I, I, I did the research on these when I got them like eight years ago, but I haven't <laughs> I haven't played them as deeply as I would like to. Um, uh, Ben or Matt, have you uh, played in either of the Heroes games? Oh, yeah. I put 100 hours into each of those. And Wes, I'm going to agree with you. One is the best. Like, that, Thank that's you. the one I, I I almost platinum that doing the 100 hours on it uh, the first time. And the second one, I feel like I'm 100 hours in and I've done fewer than half the missions or something. Yeah, they just they added so much. I thought like class changes was cool, but, you know, it, it was maybe too much. I just <laughs> just was a, bit and a bunch of things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like, have I, I have I have heard that those games are overloaded with content. I think one of the uh, I think like Hyrule Warriors complete has something oh, has so many yes. has so many missions that people say to 100% it could take like 300 hours i don't yes i'm not, yeah, I'm not absolutely like when i hear comments like that uh and especially with affirmations like like you right now they just have me wanting to sprint in the other direction oh yikes <laughs> i can't blame you i'm a longtime warriors fan and even then that gets to be too much for me. <laughs> hmm, maybe, maybe I should like play persona five strikers in one of the heroes games. And, and maybe, maybe we, maybe we could talk about this on, a, on, on air later. Wes, Wes, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll hold a meeting after this. <laughs> uh, ben, are you, are, are you a Muso guy? Yeah. So I, I like uh, heroes Two the most probably just because um, it added some more like RPG stuff in, you have like a map you can explore and there's like towns to visit. Um, so I kind of like how it made it a little more distinct from like the typical warriors game where you're kind of just like doing mission after mission. Um, but I think both of them are really good and it's cool to see all the, um, dragon quest quest characters return and then, you know, be able to actually control them directly and like kill a bunch of monsters and stuff. It's super fun. That's the fun thing about those Muso games is that you'll get attached to a character and then just spend hours and hours and hours slaughtering foes with them. So like, I, I think that it's smart for uh, Omega force or, or Koei or whoever's making those nowadays to sort of embrace cameo Muso series. <laughs> like, is <isn't> another, <laughs> I mean, there's a, uh, there's, 
the Zelda ones that I mentioned, there's Fire Emblem ones, there's One Piece ones, there was a Fist of the North Star one years ago. Like, I, I think trying to hit as many fan bases as you can uh, and and throw in as many cameos as you can is a smart approach. And I have to admit, even though I haven't put a lot of hard time into Dragon Quest Heroes, I'm very tempted. Like, those and Persona 5 Strikers are the are the two I'm closest to playing. But, uh... I think it's enough Muso discussion, at least not until another episode. Again, we'll, we'll be in talks about this, Wes. Uh, but but Matt, is there yeah. a particular is there a particular Dragon Quest spinoff that uh, you'd like to bring a show and tell? Well, uh, Ben stole my first answer. Dragon Quest Monsters 2, both on the uh, original GBC and then the, the 3DS remake was just amazing. Um, and, and then, Wes, you stole what my second answer would be, the Heroes <laughs> games. So I'll, I'll, I'll go to a very very good third tier i mean and the, these are okay um they're all quite good but the uh slime mori mori games so we, we got the second one of three over here oh yes we, we um, we've we've lamented that a little bit on the podcast before there was it was a trilogy we got the second one and it was super fun so what's up square Enix? come on yeah yeah and i mean just the gameplay is like original zelda kind of thing you're just squirting around at that slime and gosh that second one with the tank battles just was awesome and i mean the pun games in these are unreal with the flob father and just (laughs) all the other little guys that are going around there's there's a hundred slimes that live in slime area or whatever that town is and you got to rescue a hundred little slimes and each one is just great and they've all got those um nicknames they got the Gosh, the guy that fixed your tank is named Sid. So you know they 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 got they got they know what they're doing there. <laughs> so um, so you're telling me it's the Zelda of Dragon Quest and the Final Fantasy of Dragon Quest and the Suikoden of Dragon Quest at the same time? Yes, yes, it's all that wrapped up in one and incredible. You know the the third one. Um, actually, we talked to the it, the gameplay so compelling. It was funny because the very first interview we did on our Slime Time podcast, I think it was like episode three, just kind of out of the blue, they're translation for that third slime or mori game came out and i contacted the guys like you want to interview yeah 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 and we get them on and hadn't done a hadn't done a lot of pre-game and you know it was only our third podcast ever and we start off like so what made you love dragon quest they're like we don't love dragon quest <laughs> I'm like what and they're like this game's just so awesome we had to translate it and i was like okay well here we go then <laughs> so i, I, I don't i, mean, I don't know I don't know a ton about Mori Mori Three, but um, it basically replaces the tank battles from with Rocket ships. Slime with with with, with, like, with pirate ship battles. Yeah, so yep. already, if you're telling me that we can have slime puns and pirate puns in the mm-hmm. same game, then uh, I mean, then, then that, that that's perfect. Um, did I ever tell you the greatest pirate joke of all time? Oh boy, no, oh, no. Okay, no. here it is. Here it is. <laughs> what to be a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? You'd what think it's think R. You'd think it's be R, but tis the C. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I would I you know um, uh, TGS wasn't long ago, and I I saw they had a really snazzy looking remake of the uh, DS and 3DS Ace Attorney games. Um, mm-hmm. and I I think if like a trilogy re-release of the slime, or, uh, if they want to keep the. Uh, English localization, the Rocket Slime trilogy. Mm-hmm. I would buy that in a heartbeat. I wouldn't absolutely. I, I wouldn't be wait stocking for a sale like I am with Mega Man Battle Network Collection. I, that that would be a day. <laughs> that would be a day one. Get that on my Switch immediately. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. 
because I'm, I, I've, I've only played Rocket Slime of the, which is again the second of the three. Um, but mm-hmm. but it was so fun that a GBA and a 3DS, one of those, I would, no question at all. I would, uh, I'm very interested in playing the others. I, I, I would seek out that uh, fan translation, but there are just too many other games sitting on my shelf. I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, complicate things any further. So true. <laughs> Crack open that door. But um, uh, Wes or Ben, have uh, um, have you guys played Rocket Slime? Is it is it as good as I remember it being? <laughs> yeah, uh, the Rocket Slime is awesome. Um, I've played, um, stumbled through some of the first one um, in Japanese, and then played the second one. And uh, yeah, I mean they're great, super funny. It's really funny to see like all the different um, like versions of slimes, uh, like taking different roles in the town. Like you have like a nun slime in the church and like <laughs> stuff like that. It's just super cute. And uh, the tank battles are really interesting because you're like uh, they kind of give you use for like all the like stuff you collect, and then you shoot it at the other tanks as ammo, which <laughs> is just like really fun. <laughs> yeah. I have two glaring holes in my spinoff history, and this is one of them. So when you were talking about a collection, I am all ears. (laughs) Square Enix has done a very good job of making uh, their older games available to modern audiences, and and they're they're remaking new things every year. I mean, all those pixel remasters, uh, Star Ocean Second Story R is coming soon. Um, I, I I don't know how much localization effort or porting effort it would take, but I, w- I would love a um, a trilogy collection of the of the Mori Mori games, but I, I mean we we haven't heard a, a single whisper of a of a possibility of that happening. But again, I think all four of us would welcome it. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, uh, Wes and Matt, you had your turns. I'll I'll go on to a Dragon Quest spinoff here, although I'm not sure it's one I necessarily recommend. Um, uh, the Dragon Quest games have had multiple phone games or mobile gacha games mm. over the past several years, and I know that uh, uh, let's see, Dragon Quest of the Stars was one for a while. Then there's a uh, Dragon Quest Walk was uh was one. There's a new, a, a relatively recent one that's based on the uh Dai's Adventure manga or Dino Daivoken or whatever uh whatever you want to call that. But the one that I played intensely for 18 months. Um, it was Dragon Quest Tact, which is sort of like a monsters <laughs> game and and sort of like a grid based tactics game, not unlike a Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem, where you collect monsters, level them up, uh, like compete for coins. There was monthly events. I ended up being uh ranked around like two hundred eightieth on the global server at one point. I do not want to share exactly how much time and money I invested into the into that ranking. Um, but because the Dragon Quest monsters are so colorful and uh and the game is you know surprisingly functional for being a mobile gacha uh I was I was really like like uh, playing that game made me understand why I should never actually try gambling because it really it <laughs> it it, uh, it activated a part of the an obsessive part of my brain that you know was fun but also painful <laughs> So I, I'm not saying you should play <laughs> the Dragon Quest gacha games, and I definitely don't think you should spend real money on Dragon Quest gacha games, but there are several of them, and Dragon Quest Tact was good enough to have me hooked for over a year. And oh boy, I'm trying to think. Uh, one of the last good pulls that I had was I did get um, Human Form Pissarro, mm. and, I, and, I got, and I got him up to two, up to, uh, two stars. 
because I got multiple uh, I got um multiple pulls of him in the in that banner. And uh, I remember he was one of my favorite characters to use. And during the event where they had the Dragon Quest five brides all available, uh, if you completed the single player portion of the event in one month, you got to choose one. And 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 get and everyone's her. listening very and, carefully and right recru- now. And recruit <laughs> and recruit her for free. But but I had my my choice very very easy because over the course of doing that, I used some banners and my and my allowance of gacha coins. I got um I got Bian- Bianca and Deborah automatically. So when I completed the, when I completed the single player portion, I just uh, I just picked up Nera so I would have all three. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but you, you but escaped what, judgment I mean, by, what, yeah. by although, grace of the gotcha. Although when I um I've played Dragon Quest five I think three or four times and and um if memory serves I think I've picked Bianca three times and Deborah once so that that goes that uh illustrates my preferences on the on that. Front. I, I think that's exactly my ratio there. Yeah. Uh, Nera's never been a choice. It's too bad. The best you know, one. Maybe we love I, Deborah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think exactly. That, I think that that um, when they made Deborah, they like deliberately just wanted someone who was very different from Bianca or uh, Nera slash Flora, and they succeeded in that. I'm just, I, I mean, but I mean, like Bianca is so wholesome and wonderful. It's like it's it's like I'm 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 picking Deborah once for the novelty, and that's it. <laughs> I although I am I, I do almost feel bad for Nera. Maybe I, maybe I should replay Dragon Quest Five. It has been a couple of years. I'll tell you, She's Nera definitely has her fans. Yeah, Nara, no, true. Nara does have better spells than Bianca or the daughter, but I think mm-hmm. she's like she's like stuck at level ten until the until the last part of the game. So she so she'll always be at a really low level. But but yeah, in general, what is it like? Nera, uh, Deborah has better physical attacks. Nara has the best spells, and Bianca is in between, but has higher um, HP and MP than either of them. Is mm-hmm. that is that, if memory serves? Uh, that's- that's what I remember too. But yeah. whatever they they all have oomph, and that's and just casting oomph, oomph on your husband and son is is your job, Bianca. Sorry, <laughs> oomph, oomph is an uncommon spell in Dragon Quest Five. I, I I think I think your wife is the only person that learns it normally. Maybe there's a monster that does too. And it's a standard in Dragon Quest. If you learn oomph, that's your job. Yeah. If you learn oomph, yeah. then then that will be at least a big part of your job. Um, yeah. like. Uh, it's, it's looking at Sylvando, Sylvando here, learning Oomful way ahead of everyone else. <laughs> Sylvando was a king. Sylvando is a perfect person who has many roles, but among them are definitely casting Oomph on all of the attackers. Uh, I think everybody who learns Oomph, you're never going to do as much damage with a hit or two with them as your best one's going to do doubling that. So, yeah, it's just a numbers game. Oh, yeah. We, that, that's, you know, that's your role. Uh, well, anyway, um, thank you for, so much for joining us for Retro Encounter 386 Oomphcast. Uh, <laughs> ben, um, y- you know, uh, Matt alluded to this earlier. He, uh, uh, Matt decided to talk about um, something besides Dragon Quest Monsters because you brought it up before. But uh, do you want to open up the door and uh, sell, have a bit of a uh, DQM appreciation station? Uh, actually, I was going to talk about Dragon Quest Builders. Really? Okay. Ooh, All right. No. Yeah. yeah, let us know. Tell us about the bad ending of Dragon Quest One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you asked because Dragon Quest Builders starts um, based in the world where the hero from Dragon uh, Dragon Warrior One uh, decided to take the like Dark Lord's bargain, and so it's like a post-apocalyptic um, version of that world, and you are um, a, a hero called the Builder who has the ability to create things. 
and like humanity has like lost the ability to like build structures and um, machinery and stuff like that. So it's your job to like round up the wandering people and create um, like structures and society for them. Um, and it's super fun. Um, it's it's kind of like I think um, like a more structured approach to the kind of gameplay you'd see in like Minecraft or something. Um, and I'd always kind of bounced off of those uh, games like Minecraft or other like survival kind of games, just because um, they're kind of they're so open ended that you I kind of get lost as like what do, what do I want to do? Um, but Dragon Quest Builders, you know, you have quests to complete, and people will ask you to build certain types of rooms or certain types of structures, and um, you know, by the end, you'll have like a whole town built up for them. Um, and it's interesting too, because it's divided into chapters and each chapter is a different area. So once your area is all built up in like the first chapter, you actually move on and you lose all of that and you go to a new area and you have to start all over again. Um, but, and that sounds frustrating, but it's actually super fun. Um, you get new recipes to build new types of stuff and it's just a really good time. I don't know if Mike Slobato is going to listen to this episode because he hasn't played a ton of Dragon Quest games, but I have given him grief before because he's I don't think he's ever finished a Dragon Quest game, but he <laughs> um, other than Builders 1 and 2, which he's put <laughs> out, out which he's put wow. outrageous which he's put surprising amount of times into, but but Mike is one of those creative types who really does love the freedom to build and uh and you know like unleash your inner artist or architect um in 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 a semi-structured environment. So uh, I'm more intrigued by the fact that Builders 1 is follows the bad ending of Dragon Quest 1 and how Builders yes. 2 uh, like sort of introduces you to uh, an ally version of um, of of uh, what's his name? Malroth. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Malroth Ma yeah. Mal slash Shido. He's like a amnesiac version of Malroth. Right. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and maybe I, I think you're maybe it may, maybe Hargon, a villain in the game who's trying to summon Malroth. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, it's clear I have not played these, but I'm very interested in the lore and the <laughs> lore implications of them, um, because again, I don't really gravitate towards uh, like like open ended building style games, which which is also true of Ben, I suppose, but. Uh, the Dragon Quest nature of this and the the uh, the, the story focus of this has me very interested in them. I'm, I'll, I might get to them, get to them eventually if I wasn't, you know, podcasting and playing Monster Hunter so much. <laughs> <laughs> the eternal struggle. But uh, uh, I mean, Wes and Matt, you I, I heard you make some appreciative noises when Ben brought these up. Um, um, how deep do you guys go into Builders? So when the first one came out, I was like, yeah, I played the demo, got the game, got through chapter one. And I was like, what? Everything resets for chapter two? Yeah, something shiny caught my eye. And honestly, I went like almost two or three years without playing it very shamefully. And then uh, I, I won a copy for Vita back when Vita was a thing from uh, someone at Square Enix. And... Gosh, like right before Builders 2 came out, I'm like, come on, Mason, you got to suck this up and just play it. So in the course of about 10 days, I put 50 hours into it, blew right through one, rolled right into it, like 70 or 80 hours of Builders 2. When um, I when I do that, I call it going full goblin. And <laughs> oh, boy, it, it was it was about a month and a half and, you know, about 100 and gosh, about 120, 130 hours between the two of them. And I, I had a blast. I Those are definitely. Um, 
like you said, uh, not not my cup of tea. Uh, the open ended games are not, but like the directed, do this, do this. There were checklists, man. I, I can do a checklist, and I can build a mud hut for anybody who wants a mud hut. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it may not have looked pretty if I was not given the specific blueprints. Uh, that was great too. Like, here's a blueprint. Like, it's going to be here. Just bring us the items, and then you know, for everything else, just kind of. Do do the bare minimum, and I could do that. I can do that. I love those games, though. Yeah, they're they're absolutely wonderful. But I I've never gone too deep down the rabbit hole. I've played a good number of hours of the first one, um, but I kind of save them because these are the ultimate gateway drug for my kids to get ah. them to learn about Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, because Minecraft is absolutely huge for for their generation, their age group. Uh, and if you can kind of slip a little bit of Dragon Quest in with the Minecraft, just kind of hide it in <laughs> the piece it. of cheese that is the Minecraft, you can you can get them pretty far down that lane. OK, so so, so get them playing builders for a while then suddenly accidentally drop the uh, your DS copy of Dragon Quest four next to their breakfast plate. They, <laughs> a- they ask what that is. You tell them, oh, it's it's uh, it's just like the building game that you've been playing for two weeks. And then suddenly uh, you've indoctrinated them. Perfect. Well, this is one of the reasons I'm so excited for a new Dragon Quest Monsters is because now I can prey upon their Pokemon and fandom as well. I've I've got all of these insidious little ways <laughs> to, oh, man. to introduce oh. my kids to Dragon Quest. Hey, let oh. me tell you, my oldest, we just had to kick him off the Switch tonight so I could come out here and he could go to bed. And he spent, <laughs> I think, about two hours this evening trying to get a chocolate golem uh, in the demo for that Dragon Quest Monsters 3. He, his Pokemon... And watching me play Dragon Quest has been triggered by this, just by the demo. And oh, that does my he's heart He's going happy. deeper than I am. Oh, boy. <laughs> what I'm learning from these stories is that parents are diabolical. <laughs> yes, 100% you true. what you got, man. <laughs> well, all right. So we uh, had a nice little romp through Dragon Quest spinoffs. I mean, we didn't get to, oh, boy, Swords for the Wii, the Itadaki Street series where you can have uh, Sephiroth and and Dragon Lord uh, play board games <laughs> together if you really want to. Uh, there, there's a there's a rather delightful Dragon Quest arcade game called uh, Battle Road, which had a, a, a sequel called Battle Road Victory that has amazing cutscenes that are worth the YouTube Safari. But I, I would like to move on a little bit because um, we've talked a lot about the past of Dragon Quest uh, uh, already, but the future of Dragon Quest, or, or let's say the present and future of Dragon Quest, is very interesting right now. Because um, a couple of years ago, in, in May 2021, there was a sort of press conference slash event where they announced six Dragon Quest games in one sit-down. And w- with Yuji Hori, the series creator, on hand to um, to talk and hopefully and not accidentally spoil the audience. <laughs> the interviewer kept asking him to hold back the whole time. It was hilarious. There was a um, whistle for that. Uh, <laughs> but they announced six games. Um, uh, Dragon Quest Keshi Keshi, which is a puzzle game that uh, is definitely not coming to North America. So we can throw and definitely not an RPG. So we can throw that aside a, uh, an expansion to Dragon Quest 10, the, uh, the Dragon Quest MMO that we also probably will never see. So we're going to throw that one aside. Um, then there was Dragon Quest X Offline, which is an offline adaptation of Dragon Quest X. We, for a while, we were really optimistic about that maybe coming uh, worldwide, but it hasn't happened yet, even though it came out around a year ago in 2022. But uh, putting that one aside again, uh, there's two games that are definitely still coming out. Uh, the In HD2D, uh, Octopath Traveler visual style 
remake of Dragon Quest 3, and Dragon Quest 3 is probably the most iconic Dragon Quest game to a certain generation of Japanese fans. So it made sense that was the that would be one to get that treatment. And then they gave us a logo and title of Dragon Quest 12, the the Flames of Fate. And but but those are still upcoming. Um, Yuji Horii even mentioned at TGS a little while ago that uh, progression, um, excuse me, um, development on those two games is progressing smoothly, which was him, which is his way of saying, "Don't ask me about them." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's five games I've mentioned. The last one was Dragon Quest Treasures, and we didn't mention that in our little spinoff segment. Um, it, it came out last year. Um, there's a review for it on both RPG Fan and RP Gamer. And uh, Matt, when you and I talked earlier this year, um, you uh, uh, Treasures was was not your favorite um, Dragon Quest spinoff you've ever played, and you were worried that uh, Treasures would be like replacing Monsters or some of the other Dragon Quest spinoffs. Um, tell us a little bit about what Dragon Quest Treasures is like, and and how you maybe felt trepidation afterwards. So Treasures is made for Dragon Quest fans. It's not really made for anybody else because the, the gameplay loot is your little Eric or Mia. Um, actually, you're both of them from Dragon Quest Eleven, and you get sucked into this alternate world, and suddenly you're picked up by pirates, and you're tasked with befriending monsters. Pirates, you don't say. Oh yeah, that <laughs> comes all back to pirates, right? <laughs> and you got to get your pirate squad and beat the other pirate squads to dig up all this treasure. Like, just treasures are out there all the time. And you go out there and you dig up treasures with your monsters behind you. You don't really control them. You just set the AI. You're running around with a little, uh, gosh, it's got the British name. It, the British call it a catapult. Um, oh, the rest of us would just call it a slingshot. Uh, I, I do remember early on hearing about catapults. I'm like, how do you carry a catapult around with you? Um, but they went UK version, totally there. So you, you're taking little pot shots at stuff. Um and your monsters are mainly doing the battles around you. So it started development as a Dragon Quest Monsters game, but then took a hard right somewhere even before COVID. Um, gosh, January 2020, they said that there was development problems with that and get back to us in a year. <laughs> and, you know, a year went by and we found out it's its own thing. But the treasures you dig up are little moments and characters and monsters and stuff from all the games, even the spinoffs. There was a card battler game out there, Dragon Quest Rivals, that's even shuttered in Japan. Like nothing shutters in Japan to Dragon Quest, but this one's even shuttered in Japan. And some of the treasures would be you'd pick up a card from that game. And like the description <laughs> would be like, seems like a card that you'd play in a game from a land far away. Um, you'd find the wall that Alina kicked down in Dragon Quest Four. So One of I my mean, first treasures, and I was so happy. Yep. <laughs> so you'd find, like, the damage tile from Dragon Quest One or something. And so it's got all these characters, all these monsters. There's a lot of great stuff. But, I mean, if that's your first Dragon Quest encounter, you'd be like, what is this? What's a broken wall? What's this? What's that? Um, for longtime fans, I, you get some enjoyment out of it. Um, but I, I, the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, this is a small roster of monsters. I think there was like 12 unique monster designs and each one got recolored about five or six times. And it, it just was so repetitive and like, okay, the, you know, you're dungeon diving, you're going out. It was a great overworld, different overworlds. I had a lot of fun exploring, but kind of when it was done, it was done. I was like, I have no, and it was all random. So, you know, I have like, I'm not going to get all 777 treasures. Like 
I, I could waste a good hundred hours on this and it's just going to come down to RNG. So it, it then also, you know, all these games that we talked about, you know, gosh, there's been like six, seven monsters games, two heroes, three Mori Mori games, two builders. Um, that Itadaki Street's got stuff all the way through the Vita and the PS4. And I'm just thinking like, they can't do another Treasures game. Like, what would be another Treasures game? Dig up the same 777 Treasures? So it's kind of like, this already feels like a one-off dead end kind of thing. Where do we go? Like, you know, all, all we really know is we're getting a remake of 3 and yeah, 12's out there, but like, where's the where's the side content coming from? Because there's way more side games than there are mainline in Dragon Quest. And while the mainline's awesome, you know you're going to be playing two or three side quests for or side games for every mainline. But wh- where's it going? Like, Treasure seems like a dead end. Everything else seems like it's gone. Like, I, at the beginning of the year was like, man, what's happening with Dragon Quest? And we have an answer for that, and which which yes. had which which had our our tones change about our outlook on the series. But I'm going to save that for a little later. Um, Wes, I could hear you squirming during parts of uh, <laughs> of, of of Matt's uh, of Matt's solilo- soliloquy over there. Um, what are your feelings on Dragon Quest Treasures? Uh, I'm the defense force, I guess, uh, for Dragon Quest Treasures, <laughs> um, because exactly that that kind of for the fans atmosphere is something that I loved, and you know we'd gotten so many things announced. Um, in 2021 that I, I wasn't impatient for them to announce anymore. I knew that they eventually would have more things come out. Um, I had absolute faith that we'd see monsters come back and Hey, we did. Um, so I didn't view this as some kind of off ramp that was going to be, you know, it, it, some kind of end for the dragon quest series. I just saw it as a, a, an extra diversion. Uh, and, and for that, for like the fandom, it's absolutely a treat to see all of those little treasures pop up and, Mm-hmm. It falls into, I, I kind of have games fall into one of two categories. One is like an engagement game where I'm fully engaged the whole time. I'm jiving with the story. I, I am, you know, absolutely 100% focused on that game while I'm playing it. And the other is a podcast game. And Dragon Quest Treasures <laughs> is the definition of a podcast game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Agreed. 100%. Uh, I I listen to like most of the Magnus archives while <laughs> while playing Dragon Quest Treasures, <laughs> and it was the absolute perfect way to to experience that because you know during those parts that do kind of drag do kind of get repetitive, um, you can kind of turn your mind off, and this becomes almost like a fidget toy for you. Like Dragon Quest Treasures, much like the the Muso games often turn into, can be kind of fidget toys <laughs> for people like me with ADHD who just need something to do with their hands <laughs> while they're doing something else. Um. I know that's kind of damning with faint praise, but I, I genuinely think that this was a cool way to take something like the monsters formula and do something different with it. I think you're absolutely right that what the heck would be a sequel to Dragon Quest Treasures. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, but I think as a little one-off, as as something to experience, even if you don't finish it, even if the story's not exactly super engaging, um, but as as just a a video game as a toy almost. It it mm-hmm. absolutely struck me as um, something wonderful for Dragon Quest fans. I mean, you want to talk about Dragon Quest podcast games? I I think my phone shut down from overheating twice because <laughs> of, because of playing Dragon Quest Tact while listening to podcasts yes. on this on the same <laughs> yes. on the same machine. I, again, do not consider that an endorsement for Dragon Quest Tact. But quite, <laughs> um, quite the contrary. 
I, but, I came uh, in at the tail end of your toxic relationship with that game, and that's like oh, the, the lens through which I view Dragon Quest Tact now. <laughs> like I was probably looking like like I had uh, multiple personalities on Twitter. I would be super excited about the, who was coming in the next banner, and then despairing about I like I just spent six hours watching The <laughs> Mentalist and playing Dragon Quest Tact, and I don't know, and I, and I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, yeah, that that was a very. Uh, uh, 2021 mood but and anyway yeah. um i have not played dragon quest treasures i did buy it i found it on sale earlier this year um and you know i so i spent i don't know like 22 dollars on it which seems which seems reasonable but you know when i'm lo- when i'm looking for a dragon quest distraction because I, I i don't think 12 is coming out until 2025 at the earliest yeah uh um I, I it is something i probably would enjoy uh visiting but um uh ben i i think before we recorded you mentioned that you had played treasures as well yeah i did play treasures and i'm kind of with uh matt on this one i think it's it kind of has a little bit like there's a little bit of monsters in there because you you know recruit the monsters even if you don't have like total direct control over them as a little bit of builders because you do have like a big open environment that you can explore around and there's some like movement options and stuff like that but it just doesn't like lead to anything like in builders, like you explore around and you get resources so that you can then, you know, create structures and and build things. And in monsters, you know, you feel like, Oh, I'm developing and building this monster to be stronger and better and stuff. And it's just kind of like, eh, there's not really a whole lot of what comes after that, you know, like you bring in the monsters and then, you know, they follow you around and you can direct them to attack or run away. And like, that's the extent of it. Um, so it's very cute. Uh, I love Eric. I, he's my favorite character from Dragon Quest XI. So to get a game with him as a kid and um, to assist him and his sister interact and stuff like that part of it is all really fun and cute. But uh, there's just not a lot of meat on the bones of uh, of treasures for me. So it, it sounds like there's at least 777 pieces of meat on the bone there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but but I mean but I, I mean if the game Those is, are more is crumbs. Yeah, yes, well, it, exactly. <laughs> If the game is basically a loot grind of token cameos um, to get, you know, the uh, the synapses fi- firing in your nostalgic part of your brain, then, then I, I think that like it succeeds at doing that. But maybe isn't it, it isn't exactly what people wanted. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't have the rich lore of you, you know, like helping a am- amnesiac Malroth or anything. Um, but but and a lot of the Dragon Quest games. um do revisit uh the past or spin off from a specific character i mean the, the first dragon quest monsters game is about terry and millie from dragon quest 6 uh, a bunch of the monsters games ha- are similar the, the one the gba one we didn't get is about uh is about kieran from dragon quest 7 um and uh the first mystery dungeon game was was tornico taloon one of the later mystery dungeon games was a young yangus from dragon quest 8 uh they, they do this a lot but recently uh it, i think it was during the summer games festival series of presentations uh the nintendo direct around that time in fact uh they announced a new dragon quest game that would come in less than six months it hasn't come out yet but i know all four of us are very excited about it where they did maybe i, I think the most exciting choice they could have possibly made for uh a, a dragon quest game centered on a specific character and set in the distant past because the new Dragon Quest Monsters game, The Dark Prince, is about Pissarro from Dragon Quest IV, one of the most iconic characters in the series, and, and almost certainly my favorite Dragon Quest villain. Now I'm squirming for a different reason. 
<laughs> just, this is, is just excitement squirming it, now. It, it is so cool. Uh, they're fr- I think I, I, now the demo is out, and I know that uh, I know that Matt, you've played the demo. Um, uh, mm-hmm. m- uh, m- maybe you and uh, uh, Ben and Wes both have as well. But I, I just uh, I, yeah. I, I oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, got yep. it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I think it's being framed that we know of Sorrow of Dragon Quest Four as being like the champion of the of uh, of the whole um, monster community. And uh, and this this undefeatable warrior, but this is sort of the, the like. Ha- but how did he get there? Of that uh, of that story of that status, um, w- which is such a fun framing device. I can't wait to uh, play the game myself. But uh, I-, I guess let's start with you, Wes. Um, how excited were you to hear this news? And how did you find the demo? I think I screamed a little uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when I saw this coming out, and I saw you know part of my favorite Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Four, and this seems to be like the strongest connection to the plot of a previous game that we've seen in some ways, um, potentially telling like an actual vital part of the Dragon Quest IV story that's just kind of been background up until now. Um, and, you know, the demo didn't let me down. It's, it's not a mainline Dragon Quest game. And I've seen complaints because it doesn't have the production value of a mainline Dragon Quest game by any means. It looks closer no. to treasures in performance and in you know, visual fidelity. But the way that the game plays brings back everything I love about the war, the, uh, the monsters series. Uh, I was almost going into a Musou rant again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard not to be excited when, uh, when it has a, a plot that might be this tied into the actual story of the main game. Um, this makes the dragon quest nerd in me just, utterly excited and over the moon and the demo only amplified that i think i documented this in our rpg fan slack chat and maybe also on other social media i even said oh hey look that guy kind of looks like pissarro yes and then then, 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 and then there was a pause and i'm like wait oh wait hold on wait and then it was just and then it was just a lot of um a lot of all capital letters and then (laughs) and then four or five people in the chat and with wes and i among them just going bananas after we realized what was what, what was going on um again like like because Basara was so cool and and like and sort of what how they're framing it makes sense within Basaro's journey and this feels like a meaningful prequel to Dragon Quest 4 cuz i mean i mean we see Rose and i think uh uh and and i think oh, what's the name of the of the evil priest uh you know who i'm talking Is about it- Amon. Oh yeah, Amon. That's it. I, 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 yep. Yeah, I think Rose and Amon are, are present as well, and those are important mm-hmm. uh, characters for the Dragon Quest Four Endgame. It there there will definitely be more cameos in the full game. It, it is it is such a cool choice. This is going to be the first time I've gone deep into a Dragon Quest Monsters game since the Game Boy Color. I think. Hey, we just got a new trailer um, that came out the day of this recording, and Estark plays a big part right at the beginning. Oh my goodness! Awesome. This does not diminish my excitement one iota. Oh no, that that should not. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I, all three of you have played the demo. Um, Ben or Matt, mm-hmm. whoever wants to go first, uh, uh, have you how have you enjoyed it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the demo is really great. Um, it really feels like um, you know classic Dragon Quest monsters. Um, the it's really the demo is actually really big um you've got like two full areas um to like explore and and uh, recruit monsters in um and there's also a fair bit of story um but i did i did find the like the way that the connections to 
Dragon Quest Four implemented is like a little weird. Like um, because it's a Dragon Quest Monsters game, like the tone is pretty light. Um, but then you you deal with like some pretty serious subject matter with Rose, and it just feels kind of odd. And I don't know if that's just because the demos like leaving things out, or um, if that's just like how the game is. Um, but I did find that kind of jarring because like Rose is like a slave, and they're like using her to like um, you know she when she cries like she produces like uh, rubies or emeralds from her tears. And so uh, they're like making her cry or hitting her stuff like that. And uh, um, Sorrow does save her, but it's just like a really, <laughs> I don't know, the tone is really weird. I don't know if, if um, anybody else has played the demo felt like that, but um, it just was kind of odd to me in that way. It, it was a very small scene for such a big, like, yeah, the, the whole plot of Dragon Quest Four yeah. revolves around that. He's furious with humans and that's why he needs the secret of evolution and right right like that sets up everything and yeah in this demo like i i don't think the demo starts at the start of the game i think we're a couple cutscenes into it where the demo turns on because you just kind of pop up in that town and mm-hmm. oh you're awake um and just from the very first trailer it showed that you know he tried to i think hit the priest and the priest cursed him to well you can't damage any monsters now ha 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 but and I want to say someone in the beginning of the demo even says like, hey, remember, you can't harm a monster. So yes. here, take this guy. Yeah, that does come up. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, that that whole scene with Rose is just like, oh, you showed up because you're trying to win this tournament. Oh, by the way, hey, look at this girl over here getting like punched in the gut or whatever. Like they they don't show anything like, thank goodness. But they're like, oh, it's your turn to beat her to get the ruby tears. And yeah. <laughs> And then she's just like, oh, you know, you, you, you take her away. And she's like, ah, I'll just stay here in my room. Yeah. That's fine. It's, and it's weird. Like he, <laughs> he saves her, but it's like he doesn't even really care that much. No, and then she just he, like tags along. It's so odd. <laughs> yeah. She's just following along. And then you go to the bot in the Deria and she's like, oh, there's no humans here. So I can be along with you. I'll just run alongside. You handle the monsters. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it's got, <laughs> it's a little maybe too light you know it's like anticlimactic for what mm-hmm. for what the like actual origins of this storyline are or at least what you hear in dragon quest 4 to then see this and you're like uh this is not how i imagined it happened at all and, and, and i wonder how it's gonna go because we know the story of dragon quest 4 we know where this is headed yes. <laughs> like it's not a good place for either of them yeah until so, the uh, until the epilogue of the DS version, but um, correct, but, yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, this is a, this is a, chapter six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a sad story that um is you know and 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 it's set it's setting up for tragedy, and a lot of players mm-hmm. will probably know how Dragon Quest Four goes. Um, but it, but yeah, I, I guess this isn't quite as narratively rich as I was hoping. But it uh, <laughs> but it, it it at least I mean I, I can hardly imagine a, a more fun vehicle for uh get, getting into a Dragon Quest Monsters story. I'm I, I will eventually play this. I just don't know when because there's too many video games and I think this mm-hmm. comes I think this comes out uh, about a month before like a Dragon Infinite Wealth does. So good luck. But uh you, you know this isn't the only uh uh Dragon Quest game coming out later this year. Uh there is a adaptation of uh the legend of die called infinity strash dragon quest the legend of die um uh, i mean dino daibokan or die's adventure or legend of die was an, an early 90s manga and anime 
written by Riku Sanjo, who much more importantly went on to write a couple of Kamen Rider shows. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is the more important yeah, <laughs> that, that... trivia. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, as a Dragon part. Quest fan and not that, you, you, I still think you might be right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was a, it's, it's a pretty good manga. I mean, I, I read a, I read a, a fan translation of it many years ago. Uh, it's you know, it's yeah. uh it it uh i, th- I think it, it sold over 30 million copies i think it's in like the top 60 or 70s best-selling manga of yeah, all it's time pretty successful so it so it, it, mm-hmm. it was a yeah it was a successful manga that sort of started out as a semi-adaptation of dragon quest 3 and then it started doing its own thing uh ori chalcom chess pieces are the are the best villains uh i, <laughs> I will i will take no advisement on that um but uh yeah it, it's getting an adaptation that's coming out worldwide and uh, I think it's it looks like a at least a partial adaptation of the main story. So we'll see um, Die and Pop and Marm and Hunkle and all those and all those jokers, uh, a p- Crocodile and the Pink Crocodile Warrior, lest I forget. Yep. Oh, this is definitely it. Covers the anime, the the new modern anime, which was a hundred episodes. It covers up through episode forty-one, so it's going to follow right along and end with one of the story arcs. So they probably won't get to Varn, but we'll at least get to some Hadlar stuff, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Hadlar pops up on the island right at the beginning of the... Th- 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 that's true, but he's sort of the main villain of the of the first several, couple arcs of, arcs of the game. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And, and Varn is the back half of the series villain. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, that's cool. I haven't seen the anime, but I... Uh, I because I, I haven't watched a ton of anime the last several years. But the... Uh, but but I I know the story and characters in in that uh in that in that um series it's 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 kind of a normal shonen adventure anime or, or but a good version of that. So I, again I, I'm not I I'm I'm definitely not communicating excitement here just because I'm way more interested in the Dark Prince and the <laughs> and uh, and what and whatever Dragon Quest twelve ends up being. Um, but you know, you know. Infinity Strash and Dark Prince are the sort of present and future of Dragon Quest, and somewhere far in the distance, there's the HD2D remake of three, and the uh, the real deal, the Flames of Fate coming eventually. Um, this has been a mostly positively toned episode, but how do we feel about the future of Dragon Quest? I, I mean, I'm I'm sure all of us will be uh, racing to the head of the line when Dragon Quest Twelve comes out, but. How optimistic are you about the future of Dragon Quest or or pessimistic? I, I You know, like I said, I started the year kind of pessimistic. I'm like, all right, Dragon Quest Monsters is gone. They haven't had a new one in Japan in seven years. We haven't gotten one here since Joker 2. They had all these 3DS titles and remakes and we got nothing. Um, so like, well, I, Dragon Quest Monsters is real, really dead and gone out west. Um, we just get treasures. We get the spinoff of the spinoff. Uh, so that was kind of like oh man and where's dragon quest 3 i mean they had some great footage to show us two years ago and we haven't heard from that although i got a conspiracy theory on that one involving final fantasy and i don't know like getting two games here like when do you get two dragon quest games and the adventure die or the legend of die game infinity strash is the first console dragon quest game or spinoff that um I guess actually wasn't a uh, treasures was too. Like we're getting all these day and date with the Japanese, which is, and I mean, we had a monsters game with voice acting. Yeah, in that's it. crazy. Oh, yeah. There, there, there was over a year between the Japanese and English versions of dragon quest 11. Yeah. And, and now we're getting infinity strash 
or I think Treasures came out something like December 8th. So if you look at Treasures, Infinity's Trash, and The Dark Prince on December 1st this year, we're getting three games in less than 365 days. The exact day they're dropping in Japan. So like, wow. I, I don't think that's sustainable for very long. I think it's just, it's the COVID catch up now. But, you know, I fully expect Dragon Quest 3 HD 2D next year. Um, and then, like you said, probably 2025 is Dragon Quest 12. And somewhere in there, hopefully we find out about where they're going with some other side entries. It, I, I kind of don't expect them to go back to those other ones, but like we get a card game or something. <laughs> Rocket Slime Trilogy. I, I'll take I will take the remakes. Hey, give me that in 2025 too. you know. Dragon Quest three at the beginning of 24, maybe remake at the end and 12, somewhere in the middle of 25. Well, uh, for, for me, I, I'm I'm worried I'm slightly burned out on Dragon Quest only because that uh, tact commanded so much of my attention for 18 <laughs> months. But that's your own fault. man. I, no, no, no it, it's completely self-inflicted just like just like watching five seasons of The Mentalist. But um, but basically, when a Dragon Quest game that uh, interests me comes up, I will show up. I I, I know I, I probably won't play um, any Dragon Quest game other than maybe D- the Dark Prince over the next, say, year. But uh, when the three remake happens, I will be right there. When 12 happens, I will be right there. I, I, I heartily enjoy every Dragon Quest game that I sort of uh, focus on and put time into. And I will and even if i don't play a dragon quest for the next several months um to or a year or more uh i will be completely pumped when those happen because because they are exactly the kind of rpg i want when i'm in the right mindset for it so i'm 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 not as concerned about the state of dragon quest uh spin-offs as you were matt earlier this year because mm-hmm. I, I knew that 3 HD2D and 12 were eventually coming, and I had all the faith in the world in those. But, uh, um, Wes, uh, I, I mean, we know you're excited for The Dark Prince, but uh, what's your take on the temperature of Dragon Quest right now? I'm, I'm a very patient person, um, so I, I never had that, like, worry. Um, they can take as long as they want with those games, and I'll still be there waiting on day one when they come out. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm just kind of excited about so much of the stuff that they've shown. I'm I'm still keeping the faith that we're going to get Dragon Quest X offline eventually, um, which is something that deeply, deeply interests me. I'm I'm very excited about the prospect of getting to experience those stories um, without having to do any weird translation shenanigans to play on a Japanese server. <laughs> um, and you know, Dragon Quest Three Remake looks amazing. That's a game that. Um, in the West has historically not gotten as much love as it has in Japan. And I think this would be a great opportunity for it to bump up a little bit. Um, honestly, if I'm nervous about anything, it's Dragon Quest Twelve, And that's just because of the buzzwords around it being, you know, more mature or, or darker or whatnot. But even then, um, I have some faith that Dragon Quest is not going to go so far down that road that we're talking like, ff16 levels of of drama (laughs) or anything i don't think that dragon quest is going to go that far down down that pit and that's fine for final fantasy final fantasy 16 literally involved a lot of flames and fate so i mean (laughs) fair (coughs) do these teams talk to each other at all like come on square gotta have a conference every once in a while oh yeah I, i I sometimes get a little bit worried when someone says they're going to make their story more mature because that can also be a shorthand for a lot of 
kind of immature concepts. <laughs> um, but it's Dragon Quest. I mean, I've I've always loved it. It's a new Dragon Quest comes out and I'm there. Uh, I don't have any doubt that they've got a strong future with all the stuff that they have announced, even if it takes a little bit longer than maybe we'd hoped. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm most looking forward to um, just to see what Dragon Quest Twelve is going to bring. Um, you know, they've they've mentioned multiple times about like wanting to take it in a new direction or or be more mature, as Wes said. And um, I, I have faith in Yuji Horii. He's not let me down yet um, with the storytelling in Dragon Quest. So um, I think the series is in good hands. I think it it benefits from having that um, you know strong. Uh, overseen direction, um, you know, compared to Final Fantasy, where Final Fantasy can kind of seem all over the place from entry to entry. So, um, but I'm just really curious, like, what their idea of bringing Dragon Quest into the modern age, like, really means, you know, because um, it could mean a lot of different things. And um, even though Dragon Quest doesn't, like, really appear um, super, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of mature storytelling. A lot of the, you know, prior mainline games really do have a lot of like in-depth and emotional moments i mean we're talking about like uh sorrow's storyline in four or some of the vignettes in um dragon quest seven are just really heart-wrenching and mm-hmm. emotional so um you know i trust them to to deliver something really good uh, um every dragon quest game has a point it's making with uh with with, with four they wanted to um go into the into the stories of characters besides the hero um five was a game about family and fatherhood six was a game about dreams uh, uh 11 was a game about sort of about nostalgia and um and and re- and re-examining your past and is it is it okay to to leave one past for a different future like there's always a very specific story focus and concept behind all of yuji hori's writing that i that makes the whole of the game better than the sum of its parts in my in my opinion and um and and, and i i know that when dragon quest 3 and 12 happen we will we'll we'll see it in action and even though you know i like some dragon quest games more than others i will always be excited to play one and uh so in in general my feeling on dragon quest is, is optimistic it's like i i love this series and i'm i'm going to play these games and they're finally releasing some again <laughs> And uh, and like you, Wes, I'm 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 hopeful that we'll get that ten offline, but I, <laughs> I I don't know. My my hope is dwindling with each month. We'll 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 see how I feel um, next year. But I'll keep the optimism up. You don't have to. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> if, if I need if I if I need to top up, I'll 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 message you as like, like like Wes. I'm 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 feeling a little depressed. Let's let's talk, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Pissarro for a uh, for a few minutes. You know, we talked about the slime. Cl- collection coming together yes maybe we just put that aside and give us give us 10 offline like that's that's a fine compromise i take that i could i could live with that yeah i will i'll do that uh creepy facebook relationship status and take whatever i can get (laughs) 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 but uh listeners thank you for uh putting up with us with whatever with whatever we got um, we uh, spent well, well over, an o- over an hour uh, celebrating and, prog- and prognosticating uh, Dragon Quest, and um, I'm finally glad I got my Dragon Quest fix this year because I am not going back to Dragon Quest Tact. But also, thank you so much, Ben, <laughs> ben Wes, and Matt uh, uh, for joining me today, especially you, Matt, making your first appearance on Retro Encounter after we've been talking about it for 
uh, close-ish to a year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and yeah, uh, listeners, um, please check out Matt's stuff. Uh, Dragon Quest Slime Time is a delightful Dragon Quest focused podcast that uh, takes um, people from. Is is it mostly the uh, the Dragons Den community uh, where a lot of your guests come from? It is, although I would say after about a year, we suddenly just started getting really talking to a lot of fan translators and a lot of people in the streaming community. So I don't think we've really had like a fan interview in quite a while, but uh, somebody new joined our Dragon's Den Discord recently and came in with all this monsters, like knowledge and content. And he built the tool online for breeding stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just chatting with him today. Like we got to have you on just to talk about the monster series. And then we'll have you on again when we, have you know have some dragon quest the new ones in december so yeah it it mainly it started as uh an outreach of the dragon quest uh dragon's den website that's been going for 25 years and our forums and then it it has really spread and you know what it was a lot of the uh tact and the online phone games that really kind of got us pushed to discord and so people could do some real line real live playing with Dragon Quest of the Stars. And that's kind of brought in a whole new group of people that uh, we've enjoyed chatting with. And, you know, we've got a bunch of us in the mid forties and yet now we've got some people in their twenties again, like, Hey, like new fans, like come talk to us. <laughs> well, that's excellent. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't listened to every single episode of slime time, but I've listened to a great many of them and you guys uh, do great work and your enthusiasm for the series really shines through every time. It's a, it's well, thank an, you. It's an excellent listen. But you know, it's also an excellent listen. Uh, RPG fans, other suite of podcasts. Um, in addition to Retro Encounter, we have uh, Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness and Rhythm Ca- Encounter every two weeks about uh, RPG music and rhythmness. But um, going back to Retro Encounter, the podcast you're listening to right now, um, we have most of October planned out. We're doing two episodes on Rhapsody, a musical adventure, a somewhat lighthearted, uh, easy, goes down easy RPG that should be uh, a stark change from me suffering through Breath of Fire Dragon <laughs> Quarter over the, la- over the last couple of weeks. Just a slightly uh, a slightly change in uh, in vibe between those two games, but also um, we're in the early stages of planning an October um, end of October Halloween episode. I don't I don't know exactly what it'll be about, but it'll be a little a, a little creepy, kooky, and or ooky. Um, uh, and uh, November's <laughs> November's podcasts um, we're starting to plan them out. I know uh, we haven't finished picking a game for November yet. We'll, we'll know in a couple of days. But it'll be from either uh, Bandai Namco, Nihon Falcom, Bioware, or From Software is going to be the November game. It's one of those four. So please look forward to that. Um, uh, if you want to ask us about our upcoming games or Rhapsody or Breath of Fire or Dragon Quest or Dairy Queen, you can always email retro at RPGfan.com. I check that every couple of days. And uh, if you want to interact with RPG Fan elsewhere, you can go to the website RPGfan.com and leave a comment on, a, on an article or see it, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, Threads, uh, probably Blue Sky. Uh, Scott is streaming something on Twitch, I think, five nights a week. There's a lot of places to find RPG Fan, and it's always called either RPG Fan or RPG Fan.com. There's also the RPG Fan's shop where you can get RPG Fan merch, rpgfan.com slash shop. The merch includes apparel, coffee mugs, phone cases, uh, I think keychains, a lot a lot of stuff to do uh, to check out on the RPG Fan shop. Um, 
And oh, my, my favorite way for you to interact with us is to leave us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Spotify or however you're listening, uh, especially if it's those five stars. But if you want to reach us as individual panelists and not as a podcast or as a website, let's tell them, the listeners, how to find us, the panelists, starting with you, Wes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wes Iliff and on Blue Sky. I have no idea how to express a username for blue sky in words oh i i, I would uh, i would just i would just do like username then dot b- bisky <laughs> it's lone weasel dot whatever else goes on to blue <laughs> whatever else goes on to a blue sky name on blue sky all right uh ben how can listeners find you yeah they can email me at uh ben loganlove at gmail.com and now our special guest matt how can listeners find you you can find me on Twitter, or actually, just very recently, very, very recently, on Blue Sky, at platym 3 And listeners, I change my name on every different platform because I am, uh, make poor decisions like that. You can find me most easily on Twitter. I'm at The Real Monsoon. On Blue Sky, I am Solosi.Bisky.Social. And on Instagram, I am Evoker for Dogs. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. The, the, that was just a chain combo of bad of bad social media decisions in a row <laughs> but uh, it was not a series of bad decisions uh, organizing and executing on this podcast I had a great time I hope you had a great time thank you good night and good luck good luck